Girls, welcome to what might be the final episode of 2018. Happy holidays to all of you. Um, and you know, looking forward, 2019 is going to be great, right? Specifically, we all feel that the, the change rate in our industry is accelerating uh, and it's going to continue to do so. And we are here to make sure you took you take full advantage of the opportunity. Now, historically in 2017, let's call it, that's history by now, we focused on what? Sales and marketing. By we, I mean a lot of content on this podcast, a lot of content on my co-host podcast, who I'll introduce in a moment, and the PM Growth Summit, which is sort of where innovation is born for our industry. And 17 was all about sales and marketing, right? In 18, we sort of flipped the switch and said, okay, now you have the sales and marketing somewhat figured out, like we're iterating on it for sure, but let's talk about revenue per customer and profitability. And so that's, that was 2019. And what is next for 2019? Well, boys and girls, we're about to introduce what's next and the world's utmost expert who, who basically is, is titled as Chief Experience Composer, which I like a lot. And that's my guest today. His name is Joey Coleman. Joey, how are you? I'm well, Alex. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It's an honor, sir. And uh, I'm, those of you watching the video, I'm showing up the book, uh, Never Lose a Customer Again. My good friend, Jordan Muella, sent it to me. Um, and I might, might as well introduce him. And Jordan is here to help me unpack all the wisdom from Joey's book and his experience. So this episode um, gives you a lot more, you know, takeaways than if I do it myself. Jordan, how are you today? I'm doing good and I am ready to peel Joey like an onion. Woo! There we go. <laughs> Excited. We're going to get deep this into not it. weird and awesome at the same time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's rock. Well, that's a, that's, that's an awesome start. So Joey, why don't we get uh, a short introduction of who you are um, and I called you world expert because I believe in it because I read your content. I read your stuff. I listen to your books. I listen to your podcasts. I listen, um, I follow your website and what you teach there. Uh, tell people kind of what brought you into this uh, realm and, you know, where are you today? Well, I have a really eclectic background, Alex. I uh, am a recovering criminal defense lawyer. I worked in the intelligence community. I worked for the Secret Service, the CIA, and the White House. Uh, I ran an ad agency for 15 years doing branding and web design and logos. I've taught at the postgraduate level. I've had this really eclectic path. But the thing that connects everything that I've ever done together is this principle of why do humans do the things they do? And what can we do to convince them or persuade them or make them do the things we'd like them to do? So I'm a student of the human condition. And now I spend all my time helping companies keep their customers. Uh, I do that as a keynote speaker, as a workshop leader, as a consultant. I spend about two and a half weeks out of every month on the road giving keynotes all over the world, talking about the importance of what happens after the sale. As you mentioned for your own podcast, you know, a lot of companies focus on marketing and sales. They focus on filling the funnel. How do we get more people to sign up? How do we get new tenants? How do we, you know, make sure we always have our occupancy rates full, right? That kind of thing. And they don't spend a lot of time thinking about, well, what happens after the sale? What happens after that person signs the contract? What happens after they move in? How do we create the kind of experience for them 
that will keep them renewing their lease year after year, that will keep them coming back as a customer year after year. And that's where I have spent the last 20 years of my career focused. What do we do to keep the customer? And through that process, developed a methodology I call the first 100 days, uh, was able to put that together into a book called Never Lose a Customer Again, which came out uh, in April of this year. So super excited to kind of share some of the things from the book and from my experience with your audience. Very, very cool. And I, I, do, I do have to mention that um, we got Joey to keynote the 2019 PM Growth Summit in April. It's probably be like a year anniversary of your book release. Um, yeah. Um, so that's exciting. And uh, we're all looking to learn. But let's, let's sort of uh, uh, dive right into the teachings, if you don't mind. Because I, you know, I, 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 I'm personally, let me tell you a quick story. Uh, Jordan mailed me this book. Um, the kind friend he is, uh, without just like kind of even telling me why, just kind of mailed me the book. It's I a got mystery it. book. Just shows up in the mail. Here you go. Enjoy this reading assignment. He, he does uh, it from time to time. Um, I mail I mail you a few enough books that you actually crack them open when I do ship you one. So it, it's not that I don't read them all, uh, Jordan. I just don't get to you know very fascinated by all of them you know there's some good content yeah, that you, yeah. you know, but this one specifically really grabbed me and and so i happened to be on the plane the florida like four and a half hour flight and i just i just brought the book with me and i thought okay you know yeah i'll just do a pass through the book um and i got really stuck like i not stuck in the in the bad way stuck in a good way and specifically in phase one which is assess which is um kind of a pre-sale customer experience and what you know i breeze through the actual reading and you have to go back and kind of look at and think about things but what i got really fascinated and and focused is is the questions at the end of the chapter mm. like joey i i really like that self uh assessment of where you are today and the questions how they're formatted is also quite thought provoking let me give you an example um, you got to ask yourself this question, right? After you read the chapter, the question is, do prospects receive a detailed and accurate preview of what the experience will be like after becoming a customer? I'll stop yeah. and think about that for a second. Jordan, can you answer that question? For, for Leadsable? Correct. For one uh, of your businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh... It's maybe it's a little lower bar because it's a, a software business and we do have guides and manuals, but that's just one of the questions, right? Even if you do it in a functional literal way, that doesn't mean that you're doing it in an experiential way. The emotional preview, the emotional engagement is bigger than the, just the functional and the literal. And I completely agree with what Alex said. I mean, Joey, you really engineered this book. Like when I think about the simplicity of some books, this is a book that it feels kind of like a, a high-performance uh, Italian sports car, like the whole experience of the, the way it's structured, the questions. I like to move through books at a good clip. This one, because it was so engaging and because of the way you structured it, I almost kind of got bogged down, like really being asked some very challenging questions. The, the one that you just put forward, Alex, on the one hand, it's simple. On the other hand, it's profound. Jordan, I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, when I was putting the book together, what I was trying to capture is, you know, really 20 years professionally, but, you know, over 40 years of my life into a single book. 
And what I was hoping to do was create a narrative that was interesting to read. It's a, it's a 340 page book. It's not a short book. Right. Uh, trust me, my publisher and I went round and round about that. They wanted it to be a little bit shorter than it actually ended up. And I said, great, you tell me which part you want to cut out. And they came back two weeks later and they said, well, I, we, we can't find a part to cut out. I was like, well, okay, then we're both <laughs> on the same page. So let's keep it going. Um, but what I tried to do is make it very story driven. So there are 46 case studies in the book, and the stories are designed to spark your creativity. They're designed to give you an interesting or an eye-opening perspective about ways you could be approaching your customer experience. But at the end of each chapter, I ask a series of questions that are designed to say, okay, you just read about all these things. Now let's do a little assessment of your own business. How would you score? And the reason I put those questions into the book is as a reader myself, and I love reading, I'm a voracious reader, lots of times I'll be cruising along in a book, and because I'm cruising along, it's not really hitting fully, right? It's, it's coming in the brain, it's being processed, but I'm so focused on getting to the end of the book as opposed to necessarily applying the principles of each chapter as we go. And so in thinking about the experience of the book, right? I'm an experience design guy. So I was like, well, how can I design and architect the experience of the book? I wanted to put some speed bumps in. And some speed bumps that were designed to, as you guys said, you know, some people might say, geez, you described it as getting stuck in the book and getting bogged down in the book. Not really great marketing for the book, Joey. It was, thank you. It was by design, actually. So I'm okay with that because I wanted you to be reading along going, these stories are awesome. I can't wait to get to the next story. Wait a second. What is this giant roadblock in the middle of my reading? Oh, I need to actually talk and think about how I'm applying this to myself and my own business and our own practice and do an assessment and figure that out. And what I have found is the number one question I get from listeners to the audiobook. So the book's available in print, ebook, and audiobook. The number one question I get from the audiobook folks is, can we get a PDF download of the questions? Which we continue to work with the various audiobook providers to make that automatically download when you get the audiobook. It's a process, we're getting there, it's not 100% yet. But when people reach out, to me that says the questions are working. Right. Because they realize, oh, I want to answer these questions. And let's be clear. There's not two or three questions at the end of every chapter. There's a dozen plus questions oh, yeah. at the end of every chapter. There's sections of questions. In, in each. Yeah. And, and it's really designed to make the book something that you use and that you apply. Um, I was at an event Tim Ferriss hosted years ago, all about book writing. Uh, there were about a hundred of us in the room. And one of the things that uh, Tim said, which I really appreciate him saying early on, uh, was put it all in the book. Don't hold stuff back for consulting. Don't hold stuff back for speeches. Put it all in the book. Now, for most authors, that makes them really nervous because they're like, well, if I give you all the secrets, what if you go and apply them? You're never going to hire me. No, no, no. You give them everything in the book because my hope is that this book sits on your shelf for the rest of your career. That as you grow your business, as you start new businesses, I know you guys have multiple businesses, that you can actually read the book again and apply the questions again in another way to another business. And at different steps, if you will, or phases of the life cycle of your business, you can come back to these questions and say, let's readdress it. So I'm thrilled that that was the experience you two had reading the book. It, it truly is. So I have a stack of books on my sub desk. I have a second desk right here. I can't show it right now. I'm not going to twist the screen, but, um, and I have this book is it on its own, like laying around on its own. Like I swear. And I, from time to time, I actually put it, put it in my backpack and take it home 
like I would, I would just sort of read. And yeah, so it's, it's a Bible, it's CEO's Bible or, or however, any level at the company would benefit. But I, I, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with Jordan because that's what I do. <laughs> I um, love it. On the fact that it's a Ferrari. It, it's, it's not. You know what this is? This is the classic Jag, right? The 1960s Jag that you get in and it smells with gasoline. It feels right. It drives like a dream. You feel the road. But guess what? It will pull you over. Like, and you have to get under the hood about every other Sunday because you know what? It's a Jag, right? You have to really like, become one with it and work it and understand the car um, because it's, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you pause. It's not just going to take you from point A to point B. So, I, made, I made the mistake of making a car metaphor with a car guy. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to speed ground on that one. I, I'm just flattered. I'm happy to be considered a Jaguar or a Ferrari. So either way, I'm feeling pretty good about it. It's this. both very good. But so um, going back and just making sure our listeners understand and know that when Joey comes to speak in April, you're all going to get a copy of the book as well. So that's an FYI. Um, I also wanted to touch on those case studies, Joe. I think the case studies for me, they give me permission to act. Yes. Right. It's a permission yes. to, for action versus just um, versus information as packaged on its own. Um, it, it sort of, it doesn't drive action as much as like, Hey, somebody else is doing, it. I'm just as good. I can do it. Right. Um, and that's what happens. So let's un start unpacking some of the lessons from the book, Joey. It's, and, and Jordan, feel free to jump in. I'm flowing. You, you, you break my flow anytime you're, you want. You're good, man. You're good. But, but you're, you're a consummate pro. You have your own podcast. And, and just I give you permission to interrupt at any time. But the way I sort of understood the book, and it's split up between pre-sale and post-sale. And sort of pre-sale is about, I'd say, 25% of the book. Yeah, Joey, I mean, I would, I would actually posit if I'm Alex, it's actually even smaller than that. So in the sense that the first couple of chapters of the book are designed to help you realize that retention is an issue in every business on the planet. Uh, we get into it a lot more in the book, but somewhere between 20 and 70% of your new customers will decide to stop doing business with you before they reach the 100-day anniversary. 20 to 70%. Wow. Now, in your world, property managers, some of, some of your listeners are going, oh, Joey, you don't understand our business, brother. We sign multi-year leases, okay? We sign year-long and multi-year. You know, they're, they're with us, guaranteed. Here's the deal. All the research shows that mentally they make the decision to check out of the relationship or to check in to the relationship in the first 100 days. The first 100 days of the relationship is the most dispositive time period in the entire customer life cycle with regards to the lifetime value of the relationship. So if you want someone to stay with you and continue to stay with you, how they feel on day 101 is more important than any other day in the process. If I can get you to day 101 feeling great about our relationship, the typical business, you'll stay for five years. So all the research shows. So the first, if you will, quarter of the book is about that research and showing the issues with retention, showing how much of a problem it is in most companies. Then we get into the eight phases of the customer journey. And this is where you talk about the pre-sale and the marketing. And what we do is in the typical customer journey, 
most businesses focus on all the marketing and sales. So first we got to, you know, identify what the problem is. And then we've got to make them aware that we have a solution to the problem. And then we've got to get them to compare us to the competition and we better stand out compared to the competition. Then we got to get them to consider us based on our price. And then hopefully if we've done all these things right, they'll take a flyer and they'll try us. They'll buy our product. They'll sign up for our service. And then they'll use it. And that's the end of the journey. That's the typical business school listing of the customer journey. I like to take that journey and flip it on its head. I have eight phases to the customer journey. The first phase, as you mentioned earlier, Alex, is assess. This is where a prospect is considering whether or not they want to do business with you. This is the marketing and sales part of the journey. In the journey I previously described, it gets six or seven steps. In my journey, it gets one step. Okay, what are you doing to market and sell your business? But more importantly, what are you doing to give your customers, your prospects, your customers to be a preview of the experience of working with you? What's it going to feel like to work with you? Are you the kind of person that's going to keep your word? Are you the kind of person who's timely? Are you the kind of person who's organized? Is it, is it running seamlessly? You know, we come for a showing at a property. Are you there ahead of me? And does it look nice? And is everything arranged? Or am I standing at a locked door waiting for you to show up in your car, kind of roll in? Oh, hey, sorry, uh, I had another meeting that was running late. Come on in. Let me show you what it is. Oh, geez, the cleaning person was supposed to be here. They didn't get it done. I'm sorry. That's normally not like that. See this over here? We're going to be repairing that next month before you move in. Don't you worry. And these are things that happen all the time in your world, in the property manager world, right? Yet the reality is, that sets the tone for the experience. That lets me know you're not on your game. So I'm having an emotional reaction to your brand, to your experience, before I've even become a customer. This is a problem. So that's phase one. Then there's seven more phases. Boy. Going into the phases, we want to dive into this one. What do you think? Uh, well, so, so let, let's first identify the constituents that our, uh, the property management companies who are listening are fighting for. So number one, as you already, well, number one is the owner. So the property owner is who they need to attract in order to have a property to manage, in order to have a property to lease. The lease is, a, excuse me, the tenant is a second constituency, just as important. But uh, in a lot of ways, if you don't have the owner, Right? If you don't have the owner relinquishing the property and says, here we go, Mr. Property Manager, I've done it for many years. I don't want to do this anymore. You manage the property. So that person is what makes the whole business work. And then, and then their, their job ultimately is to rent it to a good quality tenant, make sure property is maintained and so on and so forth. So just, just to identify kind of the two. Yeah, abs absolutely. And I, and I chose in the example to focus on the secondary one because I think I could be wrong. And I agree with you. The first one we've got to land is the owner. But I think once the owner is land, landed, most property managers spend all their time focused on the tenants. And they kind of forget that they have a responsibility back to the owner. 100%. That's been my experience, okay, um, as both a, you know, on, on both sides of that coin. And so what I think is interesting is we want to think about it as it relates to the tenants, the leasees. And to your point, Alex, we also want to think about it as it relates to the owner. But here's the thing. Take my example I just gave. How do most owners decide to evaluate whether they want you to manage the property or not? They want to come see somewhere you're already managing. 
lots of times, or at least the smart ones that I know. They, they say, oh, great, you manage some other property. Let me come see what's going on, you know? And then you invite them to see your property and, you know, you tell them about the things on your property. So I think uh, the parallels apply regardless of who your customer is. Moral of the story is we all have multiple customers. Anybody that believes they only have one customer isn't paying attention. Your employees are customers of yours. Your investors, if you have investors, are customers of yours. Your family is actually a customer of yours as it relates to your business. They actually are. And I know that's not common uh, for folks to think of it that way, but we have multiple, multiple customers. But, you know, we can take the conversation, focus more owner or fo focus more tenant on each of these examples in whatever way feels best for the listeners. Well, either one, either one is 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 pointed and and uh, applicable. I just wanted to make sure we make that distinction, um, so we can sort of titter totter apply both. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I wanted to take just two minutes of your time and say thank you to our sponsor, a company who makes this podcast a reality. That's Four and Half, my company. We do marketing for property management companies. We've done it for the last seven years. And the latest innovation we're introducing is guaranteed plans. That's right. We, we're able to guarantee the performance of our marketing and website services to you if you hire four and a half to do both your marketing and the website. It all starts with a thorough business performance review where we really take a deep look into your business, SEO, uh, business practices, your uh, identify current up gaps and areas of opportunity, and then figure out how to close them for you. Then we're going to guarantee a specific outcome in terms of results. And if that aligns with your goals for the business, we can sign you up for this guarantee plan and deliver the results to you or work for free. If you have any, uh, if you would take, take a further look at this, go to fourandhalf.com, hit pricing and take a look at our guaranteed plans. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. And so on the pre-sale side, I, I wanted to, you know, I want to ask you some hard questions maybe um, or, or questions that maybe will, will, will provide the most impact. Um, on the pre-sale, let's start with phase one. On the assess phase, there's a lot here, man. There's a lot here to unpack, a lot of advice. From your experience, you've done a lot of consulting. You've seen, you've seen a lot of businesses succeed with your, with your principles. What is the one principle that our audience can implement to really truly lift the outcome for them within the assess phase? I would say the key thing you need to focus on in the assess phase, and you're right, there's a number of different ways we could take this, but the one that I think is missed most often in at least the United States in a customer environment, and this shifts slightly depending on where, the, where in the world you are, but at least in the United States for listeners, um, are you paying attention to tracking, identifying, and working with the emotional state of your prospect. Mm -hmm. So let's step into the shoes of the property owner. I've spent a boatload of money on this property. And now I'm going to give up some of the income that I could generate from this property if I just managed it myself to someone else to manage it, who my preconceived belief is they're probably not going to be as good of a manager as I am. That's probably the emotional state of most owners. Not all owners, but most owners, okay? Mm -hmm. Are we taking that into consideration when we pitch them to be the property manager? 
Mm-hmm. Or right. we focused on the minutia of, hey, you'll never have to deal with a phone call. I'll make sure the light bulbs are changed. You will, I'll make sure the checks come in on time. We, get re- we have a tendency as human beings to get really tactical when we're trying to prove that we're worthy instead of getting emotional. Oh, oh, put that on rewind. Okay. And so what I want us to do is to start to shift in thinking emotionally. If we think about the owner's emotional state, they're probably in a state of a good amount of fear and uncertainty. What if I make the wrong choice? If I hire the wrong property manager who then gets the wrong tenants in here, how long, how much money, how much headache is it going to take for me to unpack this? This is going to be a disaster. That's why I gave the example I did. If I'm a property manager and I'm trying to convince a potential building owner to hire me, what I do is they're going to want you to go to their space. They're going to want to show you their space and show you around. And I'm going to say, look, I am more than happy to do that. I am more than happy to come to your space. But with your permission, I'd like to start by having you come to my space. And I realize that's an inconvenience. I'm asking you to leave your building and come to my building. But I want to show you the results of working with me. I want to learn your property. I want to figure out your property. You're going to tell me all the nuance and we are going to get it dialed in and operating exactly the way you want. But I want you to see what my preconceived notions are about what a standard of excellence is, what a standard of efficiency is, what a standard of effectiveness is. And the way I can best show you that is by taking you to a property I already manage showing you some of the things that we've identified and fixed, showing you some of the solutions we've come up with, showing you some of the problems we face and how we've overcome those as a precursor to giving you a vision of what it might be like if I was part of your team. Now, some owners are going to say, no, 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 you're coming to my place. The majority of owners, I think, or at least the ones you want to have as clients, are going to say, oh, you've got my attention. Where should we meet? That's, I bet there's not a single person that is listening to this podcast or on this planet Earth that is doing this today. I would be willing to bet that is the case as well. And if, if, let's put it this way. I guarantee that the great majority of property management firms, and I'll be comfortable saying north of 75%, don't do anything like this. They hand over brochures. They point people to websites. They say, let's get on a call and talk about what we do and how much it would cost you. And let us tell you how effective we are at collecting rents and eliminating the phone calls. And they focus on the pain points that they perceive that the owner has and try to over justify their ability to tactically deliver on those. Instead of saying, let me put myself in the owner's shoes. What are they actually worried about? Yeah, they want the tactical stuff to be executed, but nobody writes home about the tactical stuff. Nobody gets excited about the tactical stuff. Nobody lays in bed with their partner at night and says, oh, honey, let me tell you about the property manager who got all the checks in on time today. Woo, that was awesome. Thank God. No, we talk about our feelings. We talk about our emotions. We talk about our experiences. We say, oh my gosh, I just had a meeting with this guy. I haven't even started working with him. He's a he might actually be smarter than I am. He's looking around corners. He's anticipating problems. Hiring him is going to be one of the smartest business moves I've ever made in my life. I can't believe it. How would I get so lucky to come across this person? Man, that is That's so- the conversation you want your prospects to be having. 
Couldn't agree more. That is so rich. And guys, this really illustrates why we brought Joey in and why we are committed to bringing competent experts that are willing to wade into our specific vertical and talk the language of our language, but that have a bigger construct than property management. What Joey is talking about is broader than property management. This is human to human here. This is the emotional experiential. We all get that on the one hand, we want people to buy on the basis of competence and knowledge, but when we approach how we frame the issue, oftentimes we commodify ourselves by listing out a bunch of inconsequential bullet points that anybody else can duplicate because we're afraid to expose ourselves to being graded on the criteria of this emotional higher order construct. So some of this, Joey, as somebody at home is listening, may sound a little bit uncomfortable purely because of the thought of like, well, gee, what if I am really graded against those results? Can you talk through kind of the vulnerability yeah. that you're calling people to step up into? It, it's, a, it's a fantastic observation, Jordan. Absolutely. I think there's a couple of things that are going on. And again, I know you guys have listeners all over the world. For the purposes of our conversations here, let me uh, frame it to the United States consumer. And the reason I'm doing that, to be clear for anybody who's listening overseas, is this does shift culturally. And it's easier for me to speak about one culture on the phone than others. If we want to talk about other cultures where you guys have listeners, I'm more than happy to do that. But since I, uh, it's my understanding the majority of the listeners are here in the United States, yeah. let me focus in on that culture. We live in a culture that, as a general rule, is afraid to be vulnerable. Because we are taught from a young age that vulnerability is weakness especially if you're male. If you're female, you're taught that some vulnerability is acceptable, but only if it rises to a certain level, which we're not going to tell you where that level is. And if you go beyond that, we're going to be upset and saying you're being too vulnerable. Guys, as a general rule, get zero vulnerability. Women get a vulnerability that we're not going to tell you where the marker is, but it better not be too much. So this starts happening when we are children. It is reinforced through the school system all the way through grade school, junior high, high school. If you go on to college, if you go on to graduate school, this is still constructed. Then we go to the workplace. And what do we hear in the workplace? Uh, this isn't personal. This is business. Uh, motions aren't for the workplace. Keep those at home. So this construct keeps getting hammered and hammered and hammered in every aspect of our society all day, every day. And yet, here in 2018 and leaning into 2019, human beings on the planet are dying for human connection. We have never had a time in human history when human beings have sought more connection with their fellow human than right now. We are isolated. We are looking at electronic boxes, whether on a desk or handheld all day, every day. When we have an interaction with another human being, we're caught off guard because we're like, wait, there isn't this barrier of time with an email or time with a text message or distance electronically to make me feel safe. So that's what we're up against. So, <laughs> wow. how, do we, so how, do we combat, how do we combat centuries of behavior, everything that our society is teaching us, and the environment we live in today? We have to get uncomfortable. We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We have to recognize that the winners in the next decade are going to be the ones who have high EQ, high emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. people who lead from a place of empathy. I think the single skill that is going to allow you to have what 
whatever you want to have in the future is to become an expert in empathy, which is what we were talking about in that whole assess stage. Empathize with the owner. Empathize with the leasee. What are they really feeling? What are the emotions they're going through? And in order to do that effectively, we have to be able to empathize with ourselves. We have to be able to have a clear read on our own emotional state. What's going on? What's working? What's not working? What am I really scared of? How are these things working? Now, some people might say, Joey, this sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of work. But let me tell you, an investment in emotional intelligence pays off even greater than an investment in book intelligence. And all the research shows book intelligence pays off crazy well. Let me tell you, it's a shadow compared to an investment in emotional intelligence. So we got to get comfortable with it. We got to lean into it. We got to recognize that if we want to succeed in the future, we need to start making those type of investments today. Wow. That's all I can say. That's, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to take this direction. That's, I, I'm being moved on my own podcast. And I don't know how that works, man. That's, that's incredible. So I, I subscribe to this, um, to this aspect, but it's so like, you know, who, you know, who Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, Gary V, right? Sure. You know, yeah. So I, I follow his stuff. I'm not this, I'm not uh, somebody who swallows everything he throws your way, but I'm a nugget kind of consumer. I, I'll say, Alex, if I may, forgive me for interrupting. I don't think you should be a type of consumer who swallows everything that anyone says. We're all human. Gary's got some great messages. Yeah. He's got some messages that I totally disagree with. I can say the same thing about every leader, about every thought leader, every writer, every speaker. You've got to apply your own discerning filters to them. That's very wise. I, that's, that's good advice. Um, but, but so Gary is the big hawker of empathy and in, in, in a really, really good way where he, he's open, he's emotional. Like, I think he's a really good example of a leader that you imagine would be successful over the next decade, right? If he, I mean, he's got to get lucky. He's got to, there's other things need to be, right? There's in, a in the lot components. of factors at play, absolutely. Correct. But I do think that those who are empathetic will over-index on success, will have more success in the future than and, those who are not. Exactly. And what I want, look, Joey, this is, this is the problem we're facing. This industry right now is facing and the, and the problem and the opportunity at the same time. I, I've said it 100,000 times. I'm going to say it again. Um, only about 30% to 35% of properties are being professionally managed. The rest, the vast majority of investment real estate in a single family up to a fourplex kind of a, a type, property type is self-managed. You know why? Because what exactly you you just you you just said that so so eloquently i couldn't say it so eloquently but at the end of the day they don't feel the property management companies empathize with uh with their particular uh with with the how important that investment is to 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 the owner to the investor and so this is why this is the next thing this is why joey is um, moving us towards the next next thing. And the next thing is the migration, is the great migration of those properties into the competent hands of empath empathetic leaders in the property management space. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And here's, I'll, I'll take it one step further. The 70% whose properties aren't being professionally managed, there's a lot of emotion going on behind that. 
Oh yeah. You're right. They're anxious about, oh, am I, what, you know, how much is this going to cost me? Does the property manager understand what a big investment this is? I think the typical person who buys a property, buys their first rental property, for example, it's such a big leap. It's such a big shift that they are paralyzed with not wanting to make the wrong move. They're in a state of total fear. And so what happens is they usually manage it themselves, by the way, with no experience, no training, no expertise in self-management. And then they get into it and things start to go south. They can't stand it. And they sell the house or they sell the building. Or eventually when the pain gets great enough, they hire a professional manager. You know, it's interesting. I spent a lot of time working with Tony Robbins over the years. And Tony Robbins has this great saying, uh, people don't change until the pain of not changing mm -hmm. is greater than the pain of changing. Okay? Changing causes pain. No matter any change causes pain. But you, before you'll actually have the catalyst to make the changes that need to happen, the pain has to be greater than the pain you know you're going to go through. Same thing holds true for property managers. I think there are a bunch of folks who if they felt that the property manager empathized with where they were at, who if they realized what the benefits of having a prof professionally managed property felt like, looked like, sounded like, what that experience was, the industry would grow exponentially, exponentially. Right, millions and millions of properties. Go ahead, Jordan. Well, you took a breath. Yeah, Joey, I've got a question that I'd love to hear your feedback on. When we talk about this dynamic of the non-professional versus professionally managed subsets of the market and why it so disproportionately skews towards non-professional management, you can intellectualize that conversation and talk about things like lemons market theory, which says that when a consumer is unable to discern quality, they tend to skew towards choosing lower quality options as a cost-saving hedge. But there's got to be more to it than that. And what I have observed is that because it is such a wild west of quality, consumers in this case are right to be skeptical. Alex, I don't know about you, but I'm with the consumer. I'm a skeptic. You tell me there's Joe property manager. I don't know who this person is. I don't know what the service quality is. It's not regulated. It's going to be the wild west. Can you talk to us a little bit about the unique dynamics of, of working in a market where there is such a wide variance of quality and how business owners should think a little bit differently in light of that. Absolutely, and I'll, I'll narrow it even further. And what I'm about to say, I say with respect because I know you have listeners that fall into both categories of what we're talking about, okay? And the, the construct I'm about to create. I think the main challenge is there isn't a consistent definition of what professional is. Sure. So the problem is we've got a lot of people holding themselves out to be professional property managers who are anything but professional, are anything but managers. The only thing I'll give them is the properties involved. I'll let them check that box. They got a building. Good on you. But you're not managing and you're not professional. And so what has happened is when the people who do hold themselves out and say, oh, I'm a professional property manager, our experience is with unprofessional property managers. Not only ourselves, but most people have at some point in their life or career either personally experienced or had a loved one who's experienced someone living in a building that is professionally managed where it was an absolute nightmare. Nightmare. And so when we say this, we get the baggage of everyone else. 
This is one of the great things about being in business. It's also one of the most infuriating things about being in business. When a new customer comes to your door, they do not come in the Latin phrase tabula rasa. They do not come blank slate. They come with more baggage than United Airlines. All of their bad, crappy experiences that they've had before in every category of customer experience, they are coming to the table with fearful that you're going to bump into those or you're going to become some of those and they're going to have new baggage to add. So before the conversations even started, they're in the hole skeptical. They're in the hole doubting. And then what does the typical professional property in quotes property manager do? Very early on in the relationship, they affirm those beliefs. They affirm the skepticism by their behavior, right? They either come off as too slick. They come off as not listening. They come off as if they have a pre-canned sales pitch. They come off as having a, oh, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I got you, just trust me. I'm sorry, no. I'm an adult, I've been around the block. You don't get full-on trust, full-on belief in the opening volley. See, we try to rush the conversation way too fast. We know from our dating lives, this doesn't work. And yet we get into our professional lives and we say, but I read the sales book and they told me that you just address the objections and counter them with your experience and they sign on the dotted line. Well, sometimes, but not usually. I'm just like to take a pause and internalize this right now. So I, I, I've, I'm, I've been hugely, um, huge proponent of um, elongating and focusing the sales process on a discovery phase rather than on anything to do with talking phase. But discovery has a lot of talking actually built in. And, and when you uh, um, framework when you put a framework together of a proper discovery call, and if we're digging into the sales process, right, to give some nuggets away, you are perceived to solve the problems that you're inquiring and digging into when you're asking those questions. Dude, 90% of people don't get that. I listen to a lot of sales calls. They can't wait to get to the pitch. They can't mm-hmm. wait to, like, if there's a pause in the prospect statement, they'll just go, oh, I've seen, I've been there, then I got the t-shirt. <laughs> how do we, I don't, I don't know how else, to, um, how else to emphasize the importance of that one thing, that depth of discovery as initial engagement to, as you said, bring him closer to a decision and build that trust, start building the trust um, because it just doesn't happen. Well, I, I, I think a couple of things come to mind. Number one, I think, I agree with you, a discovery process is hugely important. Where I think, and again, this is sweeping stereotype, I think the majority of folks that fail at a discovery process, uh, there's a couple of things they do wrong. Number one, they come into it with a script. They're checking boxes, and I know it's a script, and it feels like a script, and I'm thinking, how many more damn questions do I have to answer before we're done with this, okay? It doesn't feel like discovery, it feels like a template. Okay, it's not fun. Number two, they're checking boxes. So not only does it feel like they're checking boxes, they're actually checking boxes. What I mean by that is they ask the question and then they really don't listen to the answer. They just move on in their mind to the next question. And so I'll drop, I've been on these type of sales calls. I'll drop a little nugget. I'll drop a grenade in there and just be like, God, I wonder if they're going to pick that up. And they just keep trucking like nothing ever happened. And I'm thinking, this is not the attention to detail that I need. 
this is not the level of professionalism that I need. And so what we need to do in the same instance that we need to be better at empathy, you know the best way to be better at empathy? Stop talking. Start listening. Stop talking. Start watching. Get better at the senses that we have pairs for. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is we have two eyes, we have two ears, we have two nostrils, and we have one damn mouth. And mm -hmm. guess which one most of us spend most of our time operating out of? <laughs> the mouth. Every other appendage on our body, we have two hands. So sight, sound, feel, touch, we're all dealing with doubles until it gets to our mouth. And then we go down to a single and yet we over-index on that. We do it more than anything else. So I think when it comes to discovery calls, have a plan of topics you wanna cover, but don't have a script, don't have a checklist. And as you drop things to Jordan's point, the reason I got so excited, the reason you guys got me all amped up, comes back to one line. Well, first of all, I'm excited to be on the show and have the opportunity to chat. I love getting the chance to be on podcasts. But more importantly, when Jordan says, I want to unpeel this like an onion. I'm like, okay. You threw down the gauntlet, brother. I am ready to pick that up and run. Let's unpeel. Let's get into it. You know, I'm not interested in having a conversation. Now, here we are. We've been talking for almost an hour, right? And we've talked about one of the eight phases. Yeah, seriously. But guess what? I'm okay with that. That's the point. We are proving the point in the podcast that there are speed bumps in these conversations that are designed to make you go, wait a second, how do I actually apply this? I believe there are three types of speakers. There's speakers that make you think differently. There's speakers that make you feel differently. There's speakers that make you act differently. And as a professional speaker, I certainly want my audiences to think differently and to feel differently after they have some time with me. But if they don't act differently, I haven't done my job. I haven't earned my fee. I haven't been a good steward of their investment of their time, their effort, and their energy into listening to me talk. So if that means we only get to act on one face as opposed to all eight phases, that's a-okay with me. We can get to the other phases on another day. It's not a problem. Yeah, I had the I had the book open and I was ready to sort of uh, uh, you know go through the phases and 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 pick out a nugget in each. But that's fine. Look, look, this is the mindset and and the understanding first of all of of how 2019 and future is going to work and who's going to win has just been given away. I think we just gave that away. It's it's clearly the ones with empathy and who build out the best customer experience will be the ones, yeah. will be the beneficiaries of what this industry is capable of in reality and where, uh, where it's at today. And today it's 20% it's of, of what it should be. Um, the one thing I was gonna say is, look, those of you who attended the PM Growth Summit, which is the conference, annual conference Jordan and I run, I know you have seen it, and even if you didn't attend it, okay? You have seen the impact of Marcus Sheridan coming in in 2017 and blowing people's mind with his book, They Ask, You Answer. Okay. Marcus, let me interrupt if I may, Alex. Marcus Sheridan is a prince. Marcus and I are great friends. I love that guy like a brother. If you are not paying attention to everything that that guy says, does, is, believes, you're missing out on one of the great thought leaders of our time. He is genius and He's the one of the nicest guys on the entire planet. What you see, let me tell you, somebody who knows him very well off stage, what you see on stage 
is who Marcus is off stage. He's actually even better off stage, if you can believe that. I mean, he's amazing on stage, right? He's amazing as he's prowling the audience as he's prone to do, right? But you get him in a one-on-one conversation, that guy's genius. Yeah, and we both Jordan and I were exposed to that, and a lot of our customers did. And and at the end of the day, the the whole industry changed because of that. How many content producers <laughs> have you seen in the property management space with actual legitimate, high quality educational content in two thousand, say sixteen? Not who's who's making online videos. <laughs> Not yeah. many. Now, because of that revolution, so Marcus moved the whole industry and, he, and because, because he moved few key people in the audience who then decided to implement, who then, whose content is now dominating and everybody else is catching up and also doing it. And maybe they're winning as well because they have their own angles. They have their own uh, ideas on what that education needs to be and who they want to educate, who their perfect client is and how much value they're willing to provide. But there was an explosion of content and Joey is going to, is going to do this for the future. That's my, that's my read on the, on, on what, what's going to happen. I love yeah. it. Well, that's, that's my hope, Alex. That's my hope. That's, that's certainly uh, how I plan to show up at the summit, how I plan to uh, deliver this message and hang out with your audience and uh, share the word about how they can enhance their customer experiences. Exactly. That, that's the word, customer experiences. We don't want to be vague. Marcus was really focused on video, really focused on engaging your audience on the level in which they need to be talked to. Joey's message is around the customer experience, owning the whole thing from top to bottom, being as thoughtful as you can about the experience and the intangibles that make up who you are, your brand story, your messaging, your positioning. And Alex, I'll just go ahead and say it. And Joey, I want to say it in front of you too. We are for the winners in this industry. We are for the people that want to provide great service. And if you're listening to this and you know in your heart of hearts that you offer low quality services, that you're kind of okay with maybe getting something over uh, one of your clients every now and then, and you're really just focused on slathering sales and marketing and growth on top of a low quality operation, we're not trying to help you. We're not trying to advance your cause. We want to see the end customer, the client of our client win by people raising the bar, raising the quality of their service, raising the quality of the outcomes for the whole industry. And that's really the heart behind what we get so excited in talking about growth. It's really embedded in the DNA. Exactly. And, and so Joey is, is going to be the man of the 2019 and I believe beyond. We had Marcus come in two years in a row. We, like first one it landed, the second one really wanted to take it home. Uh, so Joey, we're very excited to have you. How would people go and find some stuff about you besides buying a book? If you, if you, want to go, if you don't want to wait till April, go get the book because it's, it's, it's like the best 20 bucks or whatever, 11 bucks you'll ever spend, I promise you. Um, but Joey, how would people go find you and, and get information on you and follow you? Yeah, so a couple ways. As you said, Alex, the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you get a book. We've got an ebook, We've got the print book. We've got the audio book. I'd probably recommend, if I may, and you do buy the, the format of the book that works well for you. But what I like about the print book is you can take notes right in the book. You can answer the questions right in the book. It's a little easier to do than the ebook technology. Uh, the audio book, message me, we'll send you the download PDF. You can get that kind of information. You can also find it on my website. Um, the other place to find me is at joeycoleman.com, J-O-E-Y, 
like a five-year-old you probably know. Yes, I'm much older than five, but I still go by the diminutive of Joey. Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping equipment, but no relation. JoeyColeman.com. Come to that website. You'll see videos. You'll see information about, uh, you know, kind of how to enhance your customer experience, articles about that, cool links that we've come across, that kind of thing. And I would just say, I encourage folks to try some of these things out. Try coming to the table with a little more empathy. Hmm. Try opening your eyes a little bit more. Even when you're in a consumer setting, forget about when you're the one who's delivering the service. Just as you're a consumer, walking around your day-to-day life, try to look and see and pay attention to, oh, well, that, that experience could be a little better. Or, oh, I really like that one. If you have a positive experience, tell the person. Thank them for that. I'm constantly, when I have them, pulling managers aside to say, by the way, this waiter, this waitress is absolutely phenomenal. They're incredible. Not only did I tip them a lot and I loved it, but I wanted to tell you, you've got a great employee here. And do that in front of the waiter or the waitress, right? It, the way we're going to improve this, the way we're going to take the bar for customer experience, which is lying on the ground on the planet, it's lying on the ground, and raise it up is by all of us becoming more committed to this, by all of this calling out the positive customer. It's easy to call out the negative customer experiences. I'm not a big fan of that. Call out the positive customer experiences. And last but not least, since you asked, Alex, where can you find me? If you want a weekly dose of positive customer experience, come check out our podcast, The Experience This Show. Okay, Experience This Show dot com is where I have a podcast I co-host with my good buddy Dan Gingas, who's been has a long background. He was with McDonald's, he was with Humana, Discover Card. He's worked with the big Fortune 500 companies on the inside as an employee, creating the experience. I've worked on them as an outside, as a speaker, a consultant, and every show is just a dose of positive experiences, one after another, that we dissect so that our listeners can learn how to apply these things in their own business. Well, this is something I haven't done myself. I'm going to dig into this. But, you know, for those of you who are listening, um, I wanted to say we're very thankful for the opportunity to have Joey come and educate us. I'm very excited about it. I'm a true student of his teachings. And I um, think all of us listening, all of you listening should at least look into that. Uh, But I wanted to wish you all a happy, happy and prosperous 2019. We'll see you all on the other side. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. And it's been a privilege um, to host this show for the last three years. And I'm looking forward to many, many more. Thanks for closing us out, Joey. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year. It's a pleasure being on the show. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate all of you that listened in. And I wish you all the best creating remarkable experiences in the first 100 days and well beyond.